New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Comedy and juggling from Ivan Bussell. Huck's hero Joe and Sam Baker. And country music favorite, Glenn Black. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! And welcome, everybody. We are thrilled we have more people here in this theater than we have had in over a year uh, since we've been back from COVID, and it feels like it. A great audience from all over America. I hope you'll come and join them one of these days and be here with us in the theater. Well, just when I think I have heard the craziest talk uttered by a human being, someone steps up and says, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> this week... It was Mara Gay. She is an editorial writer for, wait for it, the New York Times. Yep. She said that she had been visiting on Long Island and was frightened by the sight of pickup trucks and American flags. I was on Long Island this weekend uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is not your yep. country. I own this. Hmm, yeah. Oh, in some cases, just dozens of American flags which is also just disturbing, she said. As the conversation on MSNBC turned to the subject of race, Gay said, quote, I think that as long as they see Americanness as the same as one with whiteness, this is going to be continuing, end quote. She noted that many Americans do not comprehend the real danger posed by whiteness. You get that? She was disturbed by pickup trucks and American flags. I'll bet she'd really freak out checking out the menu at a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I'd like to see her. Can you imagine her going to a Leonard Skinner concert? And let's hope she doesn't accidentally wander into a NASCAR race or a WWE wrestling event. I can't even fathom the pain she'd feel from going to revival meeting at a Pentecostal church <laughs> or an Oak Ridge Boys show at the Grand Ole Opry. Now, I'm still trying to figure out what she meant when she observed that most Americans do not comprehend the real danger posed by whiteness. Let me explain. Look, I've been white a pretty long time. <laughs> but I never thought that my mere skin tone was actually dangerous to anybody. Now, if someone's blackness bothers me, it reveals I've got a problem, not the black person. And if someone is bothered by my whiteness, then they have a problem. 
look. <laughs> Folks, real racism is treating people or even seeing people differently because of race. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had it right when he longed for the day when people would treat his own precious children based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. The scared, senseless writer for the New York Times sees color and only color before she sees anything. And you know, the colors that seem to really put her under a blanket and crying out loud are the colors of red, white, and blue. <laughs> and those are the colors that ought to make every American stand up and cheer. are not the colors that ought to make you jump in a closet and curl up in a fetal position. I mean, if whiteness and racism is so prevalent, explain to me, how did a black man named Barack Obama get elected not once, but twice in such a racist country? I, let me explain. Blacks make up less than 15% of the American population. Barack Obama got his start on his way to his election by winning the Democrat caucus in Iowa back in 2008, a state which, by the way, is 95% white. So if whiteness is making it impossible for black people to succeed, somebody ought to tell Barack Obama that he really didn't win. Not once. He didn't win either time. <laughs> Folks, black people didn't elect the first black president. White people did. By the way, I ran the same year on the Republican side. I, too, won the Iowa caucuses for the GOP. And if my simply being white was the winning ticket, I got robbed. <laughs> Something ain't right. So, if Mara Gay is really scared of pickup trucks and American flags, maybe it's not my white problem. It's her irrational racism and hatred of an America that she doesn't know that becomes the real problem. So I got a solution. Mara, come on down south. I, here's what we're going to do. I'll take you to Waffle House. We'll go fishing. We'll do some deer hunting. We'll hit some barbecue spots, go to a country music show at a school auditorium on a Saturday night, and I'll sit with you down at the Baptist church. And you know what? No one will even care that you're black. And maybe you will get over me being white. And, yeah. And to top it off, I'll even take you back to the airport in a pickup truck with a radio blaring some George Jones tunes. It will set you free, darling, it will. My first guest is serving her fourth term in Congress, representing New York's 21st district. She was just elected as GOP conference chair. That makes her the highest ranking Republican woman in Congress. She says Republicans and the American people have never been more energized and excited to defeat the far left and save our country. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik joins us now from New York. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. I want to get started by saying congratulations, being elected by your peers, the other members of uh, the Republican caucus, 
to be their conference chair. A lot of people hear that term conference chair. They have no idea what that means. Why don't you explain it to them? The role of the conference chair is to really lead the message of House Republicans and making sure that we have a unified message that resonates across America in all types of congressional districts. It also is important to have a pulse of the top priorities of the American people to make sure that we're focusing on those issues that voters care about. And certainly there's a lot that's going on right now. We've seen a radical, destructive, far-left socialist agenda of Joe Biden and our members of Congress, but most importantly, the American people and the voters across this country are united in opposition to how radical these policies are because we're already seeing the devastating consequences. You know, speaking of radical ideas, just this week we had the members of the squad, particularly uh, Ilhan Omar, saying some just stunning things that, that were so bad that even people in her own party all the way up to the top, Nancy Pelosi, had to push back as she was essentially equating America and Israel with Hamas and the Taliban. I mean, how much will the left put up with uh, to, to have that kind of rhetoric? Because I find it not just offensive, but stunningly offensive. Not only is it stunningly offensive, it is un-American. This is not the first, nor the second, nor the third time that Ilhan Omar has made un-American and, frankly, anti-Semitic statements targeting Israel. And this is an issue where I think we need to make sure the American people know that Nancy Pelosi has made sure there are no consequences to Ilhan Omar. She sits on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and because of her statements earlier this year and earlier in her career, many Republicans have called for her to be removed from that committee. You're now seeing a very universal call publicly to remove her from that committee, but Nancy Pelosi has refused to do so. Dealing with foreign affairs is not just Israel. Let's talk about uh, what we now know, uh, and that is that the virus that plagued the world pretty much shut our economy down, killed 600,000 Americans, didn't come from bat soup or a wet market most likely came as a leak out of the Wuhan uh, Virology Center. The, the troubling thing, we've now learned that there was a concerted effort to keep the truth away, not just from the American people, but from the American political leaders to outright lie. And the media were co-conspirators in this. Now they try to come out and pretend that they're interested in the truth. But this is a very serious issue, and I think one that touches Dr. Fauci. Um, will something happen to him? Will he be held accountable? And will China be held accountable? Number one, Dr. Fauci should absolutely be held accountable. Uh, we need to fire Dr. Fauci. He has outstayed his welcome. He has been in the position uh, leading the infectious diseases program under NIH for my whole life, Mike. And it's hmm. an example of a bureaucrat who has been there far too long and is playing partisan political games. In terms of holding China accountable, this should be at the top of the agenda of President Biden as he is on his first international trip, is working with our allies to ensure China is held accountable and, frankly, to make China pay for the economic global destruction and loss of life that was caused because of this. Congresswoman, my last question it relates to something that is about as far away from you as possible, the southwest border. You're in New York, but yet all of us, everyone in America is affected by what's happening at the border. Quite frankly, I've heard you speak. You're far more articulate and interested in the southwest border 
than the vice president who's supposed to be in charge of it. What's up down there? Yes, this border crisis is at a historic high. If you look at the May illegal border crossings, it was over 180,000, uh, the highest it's been in 20 years. And as you point out, Governor, it's a humanitarian crisis, but it's a national security crisis, an economic crisis, as well as a homeland security crisis. So every American is impacted. Every member of Congress is impacted. And I'm very proud of Republicans for being very unified in highlighting this border crisis, talking about the importance of investing in border security security, building that wall, but also supporting our men and women in green who are the leaders of the Border Patrol who are just doing unbelievable work every day. We are very grateful to have Congresswoman Elise Stefanik with us today, and we are so grateful for her time. I want to say to our audience, you can follow the Congresswoman on Twitter at Rep Stefanik. It's right there on your screen. Now, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us all about the great things that we've got coming up tonight, so take it away, Keith. Well, up next, best-selling author Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Later, juggler and comedian Ivan Purcell. Stay with Huckabee. I'm so grateful for Samaritan's Purse and the work that they do to extend the love and healing hand of God to veterans who are suffering from trauma and loneliness, as well as helping their families. And I'm grateful for the everyday man and woman who opens his or her heart to supporting this ministry. Because through your generosity, the marriages and souls of our veterans are being saved and healed. I hope you'll consider calling Samaritan's Purse or maybe visiting their website and giving generously for those who have fought for you. And thank you so much for caring. My next guest is the pastor emeritus and former senior pastor for the Moody Church in Chicago. He's also an award-winning author, and he appears on not one, but three radio shows heard worldwide. He's got a brand new book, and it's addressed to Christians who are under siege in this very secular world. The title of it is, We Will Not Be Silenced. Would you please welcome Dr. Erwin W. Lutzer. Welcome, Dr. Lutzer. Thank you. Great to be with you. Thank you. I knew I was going to like this book because the forward was written by Dr. David Jeremiah, one of my very favorite pastors. Uh, he's on TBN, but what a great, great insight he brings. And when I saw that he did the forward of your book, I said, it's going to be a good book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What's the message that we need and that you address in this book? First of all, what I'd like to do is to just give a brief summary. But, you know, my heart has to do with the response of the church, ultimately. I didn't write the book so much to reclaim the culture as I wrote to re reclaim the church. Mm. Because I see the church today submitting to the culture and intimidated by the culture. And that's why we are silenced. But Governor, when I began to realize that the radical left in America does not believe that America can be fixed, it has to be destroyed and rebuilt on a different kind of foundation. Now, we, freak, we frequently hear, you know, about cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism says we can bring about Marxism not with a bloody revolution like in Russia and in China, but we can do it incrementally. But what we have to do is to capture the media, education, and we certainly see that happening, mm -hmm. 
we have to capture such things as law, and then we have to silence the church and, of course, vote for the right people, and we can bring about this Marxist state. So, on the other side of the revolution, you know, you will have uh, the end of income inequality, the end of racism, and so forth. Now, what I do is I apply that to the vilification of our history, the tearing down of monuments and so forth, and how our history is being viewed today, and then I also apply it to race. We've seen it before our very eyes. And, and I think the message that you're bringing is an important one because so many people say, we're Christians and we just need to go to church and we don't need to get involved in all these, uh, some will say political, others will say cultural, uh, but they just don't feel like Christians ought to mix it up out there in the secular world. What's wrong with that approach? Why shouldn't they just stay put? Governor, we're living at a time when the culture is collapsing and there is no place to hide. Mm. We are encountering the ideology of the radical left everywhere. Parents, of course, encounter it in the schools. We're encountering it in government. So it's not as if we can continue to ignore it and pretend it's not there. One of the most interesting chapters, I think, has to do with the whole problem of propaganda, because the purpose of propaganda is to so shape people's view of reality that even when confronted with a mountain of evidence, they will not change their mind. Now, throughout the book, of course, I talk about the sexualization of children. Socialism, I show why it seems so exciting, but why it must fail, because I show that ultimately socialism becomes a paradise for parasites, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. What a so great line, I love that. I love it, paradise for parasites. <laughs> when you think of how this message needs to touch America and what is the takeaway, what would be the summation that you would say, this is where we have to get to? The Church of Jesus Christ is going to have to relearn lessons that other eras in which the church has learned these lessons, okay? The simple fact is we're going to have to go back to the basics. But also, Governor, people are going to have to be willing to suffer for their faith. In other mm -hmm. words, we are being intimidated, you know, and uh, students today in the universities, oftentimes they are not talked out of their faith, but they are mocked out of their faith. And of course, because of social media, we are intimidated. And I maintain that the church must stand on issues and say, here we stand and we will not give ground. Mm. And that immediately... That is a message I hope people will see. It is the heart of this message. We will not be silenced. It's available to buy right now at christianbook.com. If you're having troubles navigating the waters of secular society as a Christian, and I can't imagine that that's easy for anyone who's a believer, this book's going to help you stay on course, and you can maintain a stream of wisdom and insight following Dr. Lutzer on social media. I hope you will. Dr. Lutzer, it is an honor and a pleasure having you here. I hope people will get the book, read it, take it to heart, and will not be silenced. We need that. Amen. Thank you, Governor. And speaking of not being silent, we tried to make Keith Bilbrey be quieter, but we can't. He's so excited to tell you what's happening on the show tonight, there's no way he would ever be silenced about that. So we're going to turn him loose on you right now.
Okay, thank you, Governor. After the break, Mike's hilarious news stories in case you missed it. Then, Grammy Award-winning singer Clint Black. You're watching Huckabee. And welcome back. Now, from the lobster of the trees to dopey crooks, we've got the news that CNN didn't care enough about to even distort on In Case You Missed It. All right, first of all, a quick correction. Last week, I said that the oldest man in Australia ever, Dexter Kruger, is now a registered Democrat in Arizona because we thought he was dead. We figured that's how he became a registered Democrat in Arizona. But that is not the case because he's still alive at over 111 years old. And, you know, I don't know if you remember from last week, he credits it to eating chicken brains. Oh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I guess Biden-Harris won't be able to count on him in 2024 after all. <laughs> at least not yet. Uh, okay. Let's get to this. <laughs> Let's get to this week's stories. Uh, many parts of the country are up to their ankles in cicadas that hatch out every 17 years. Keith, is it cicada or cicada? Well, it's like this. You say cicada, I say cicada, and we put them in our French fries. What do you think? I think we should just call the whole thing off. Please. I think that's what we should do. Please. Now, I'm trying to get the band to help me out. I don't know why no they... Part of that. No way. They can't even play that song. Nope. Anyway, what to do with all these cicadas? How about Easy. eating them? Yeah, that's what I suggest. I know. Well, the Internet is actually circulating cicada recipes. I've seen that. And restaurants across America are featuring cicadas on their menus. To them, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know if you know this. This is true. The FDA put out a warning that people with seafood allergies should not eat cicadas. Oh, okay. There's my excuse. Yeah, I I'm allergic to the very idea of eating cicadas. <laughs> I mean, too many people are actually listening to liberals who keep telling us we can save the earth by eating bugs. I got a better idea. Just tell them to go eat bugs. Yeah, there you go. I'm not eating them. Have at it. But the FDA warns that cicadas are distantly related to lobsters. Who knew that? Well, I hope very distantly, since we don't need a plague of flying lobsters moving no, around this country. No. So here's the thing. If you're allergic to lobsters, don't eat cicadas. And if you're not allergic to lobsters, don't, don't eat, eat cicadas. Because they're bugs. Or cicadas. They're bugs. Yeah. That's what. All right. Let's wash our hands of that subject. Please. I have proof that face masks are not effective. And I don't mean at stopping the coronavirus. Yeah. I mean at avoiding traffic cops. Here's what happened. Police report that lots of people are trying to get away with using the HOV lanes by driving alone and putting face masks on dummies in the passenger seat. <laughs> the blue ribbon for this has to go to the Glendora, California driver who built this. Look at this. Wow. That is not a scene from a weekend at Bernie's. That's not. That's actually a dummy. That looks pretty real. It does. Wow. Well, it was so realistic, 
This guy got away with it for a year and a half. Is that one of Trey's caps? No, that was not one of Trey's caps. <laughs> I don't Should think so. It was probably, I think, the Cleveland Indians cap that got him noticed in California. Uh-huh. Imagine if he'd been wearing a MAGA hat. Whoa. <laughs> he'd then been facing a lot of trouble. As it is, he's facing a $400 fine. But for avoiding California traffic for a year and a half, 400 bucks is a bargain. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. smart guy. Now, on the other hand, this New York driver, he didn't put in the same effort. And the police noticed his masked passenger was fake right away. I wonder what gave it away. <laughs> so that is not Jason from Friday the 13th. It is just a plastic mask strapped directly to the passenger seat. Oh, yeah. I see that. But as ridiculous as that is, let me just say, if you're still wearing a mask while driving alone inside your car, you are a worse dummy than that last dummy. I'm just being straight up with you. Okay? I have seen people driving in their cars by themselves wearing a mask, and I'm wondering, for what purpose? Hey, I, I got you. Well, I could keep going, but I'd have to wear a mask and then sneak out of here. So let's just end here. But until next time, remember... We read the news. So you don't have to. Well, next, Ivan Purcell makes juggling tolerable again. And father and son extreme adventures, Joe and Sam Baker. A lot more Huckabee is on the way. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. The last time that Ivan Passell was on the show, he juggled flaming torches and a razor-sharp hatchet. But it was during COVID, and so we didn't get to see him in person. But tonight, Ivan may be in studio... But I still think I'm going to keep some social distance between us, okay? From America's Got Talent, Vegas venues, and much more, I want you to welcome back the award-winning juggling and comedy of absolutely an amazing human being, Ivan Passell. Thank you so much, Governor. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys are in a good mood this evening. I am in a great mood. Baby Gap was having a T-shirt sale today, and uh, <laughs> three for ten, no big deal. But this is so great to be out here in Tennessee. I live in California, and honestly, this is the first time I've left my house in like a year. And that's not because of COVID, that's because I was on house arrest. But look, that's not important right now, okay? The point is, I'm here, and we're going to have fun tonight. Now, Governor, like you mentioned, uh, I do juggle dangerous objects as much as I would like you to help me out this evening. You're the one whose name is on the marquee. You are indispensable. And for that reason, I'm going to have Trey help me out with something. Give Trey a big round of applause, everybody. How are you, brother? I'll be standing right over here. I'm, yeah, I'm nervous. Trey, uh, you're nervous. Uh, you'll be fine. You'll be mm-hmm. fine. I appreciate you being here. i got to be honest, man. I, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Where, uh, where, where, where are you from originally? Joplin, Missouri. Are you really from Joplin? Yeah. Really? Yes. I, well, I actually, I lived in Joplin for like two years. No, you did yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, kind of crazy. I moved out there for a girl, which was stupid because she lived in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Trey, my friend, tonight yes. is going to be amazing for you and for me because what's going to happen, my friend, is you actually are going to lay down flat on your back and then I am going to juggle these three razor-sharp knives while walking over the top of you. Oh, yeah, chest bump! <laughs> Whoa, yeah! Get it! Wait, wait till my meds kick in. This is going to be awesome! <laughs> All right, now, Trey, in order to do this, you get to wear the official juggler's bandana. Oh, this is great. pretty sweet here, my Good. friend, okay? So what I want you to do is stand here center stage for me okay. and face the audience. Audio, Feet together, okay. Feet hands together. to your side. Okay. Just go ahead and stare directly into those lights because you'll be walking towards them Duh. soon enough. I just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You probably won't even get severely maimed. Thanks. <laughs> All right, now, Trey, this is going to serve a few different purposes, all right? Okay, gotcha. Now, if at any time during yes. this routine yes. you get scared, you can pull the toilet paper down around your eyes and use it as a blindfold. <laughs> or, Trey, if at any time during this you get hurt, you can use the toilet paper as a bandage. Mm. Or, most importantly, Trey, any time during this you get, like, really, really scared, you can use the toilet paper as toilet paper. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> That's a poop joke. <laughs> sure to wear my brown pants. Try not to poop. Mm -hmm. Okay. You poop. Good. Look at you like a, like a, like a whiter trash Willie Nelson. Uh. <laughs> Good talking to you. All right, Trey. Now, before I have you take a seat, okay, uh, we're going to take a... Uh, I don't want you to get dirty, so we're going to lay this sheet oh, down. I'm going to have you lay down flat on this. Okay. Uh, that way you won't get dirty. And okay. at the end of this, we'll be able to wrap you right up and slide you in the ambulance. <laughs> oh, so great. it should be good. So just right. yeah, take a seat okay. nice and easy. This way? There we go. Perfect. Oh. Okay. Now, just sit up. There we go, Trey. Okay. Yeah, right. tone and sculpt. Ah, there we go. <laughs> okay. Now, Trey, uh, safety is a number one priority here sure. at the Huckabee Show. Okay? So I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of extra cushioning here. Okay? We're going to... Uh, Grab this here, and we're gonna just put this in here, okay, and now we're just gonna yeah. wrap it up, Trey. Okay, we're just gonna okay. wrap this up, buddy. This is two-ply toilet paper. Very, very comforting. This is two-ply, and uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, for this routine, <laughs> Dr. Fauci uh, said that this is protection. So he, that's what he told me. <laughs> Tony, Tony Fauci, told, he, told, he emailed me, and he told me, he goes, this is... Big T. His friends call him Big T. Is what his friends call him. So it's gonna lay it down and sleep, sleep, delicate Trey. You sweet, sweet boy. All right, now Trey. Uh, all right, buddy. First things first. I'm gonna have you close up shop a little oh. bit. All right, your, your friends in the audience right there. Okay. Now Trey, real quick, buddy. Before we go any further, are you uh, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Right, you put your right hand in the air for me, please, real quick. This is just a. Uh, Brief formality that governor asked me to do before we start here. It's good. Sorry, oh, right there, please. Thank on. you. It's just, it's just a nice legal thing. It just it makes it easier for when the police get here. That's <laughs> you know, actually, here, while we're at it, uh, Trey, sign this one too. Jeez. Now you just bought a timeshare in Aruba. Thank you. That's, that's very nice. Put that back. Mm, all right. Woo! All right, Trey, here we go, buddy. Three nines. Walking over the top of you. Oh, <laughs> oh man, these, these are so slippery. <laughs> There's still blood on this one. Uh, okay, wait. Uh, just, you know, a lot of times when I do this routine, people think I'm using, you know, a fake knife or these are props. Governor, if you would do me a favor, I want you just to verify for everybody this is, in fact, a real knife. It is sure. You can hold the handle, feel it. It is it's legit, real. right? Yeah. That's Thank the real you, deal. Sir. I just 
I just okay. needed to get a fresh set of prints on this. Yep. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, you're gonna get in so much trouble. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna use this one. <laughs> safe with me. All right, Trey, you know what? Uh, I want you to be able to go back to the band. I'm gonna give you one final piece of precautionary equipment, okay? I want uh. you to take this, we're gonna put this on here. I want you to <laughs> just kind of cover up the best you can with it, okay? Just cover, cover do what you need to do. Co Real quick, I just want to uh, just want to grab one here for the uh, for the claims adjuster. Here, let me just. Uh, there we go. It's smile. That doesn't matter. There we go. Okay, perfect. Trey, got this. All right, Trey. Three knives. Walking over the top of you. <laughs> Don't try and stop me. I... <laughs> <laughs> I, try, I don't know if like, you're giggling or having a mild heart attack or what's happening right now, but uh, in all seriousness, my friend, I am going to be right over the top of you juggling these three knives. Oh, okay. Truthfully, just do not move around at all, okay? Great. Because this is how we lost Grandpa. <laughs> Ruined Thanksgiving. This is why I did not agree to do this, but we're glad you did it for Trey. Well, thank you. He, I, mean, I, I gotta be honest, I can understand why you didn't want to do that. I, yeah. Honestly, nobody's ever actually let me do that before. No, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> it was so cool how great. everybody just let him lay there. That was great. It was absolutely great having you here. One more big hand for Ivan Purcell. And to see more of his amazing juggling and clean comedy, you can follow Ivan Passell on social media or go to his website, IvanPassell.com. Find tour dates, or you ought to book him for your event. He may even do that with you. Now, <laughs> Keith Bilbrey has a far less dangerous job of juggling what we have on the show tonight. He's going to tell us about it right now. Well, I'll call your knife juggling funny man and raise you a seven-year-old mountain climber, Sam Baker, and his father, Joe. More Huckabee is after the break. Next week, join Mike's guest actor, John Voight, and comedian John C. Morgan. And welcome back. But I got to say, we always, uh, you know, pay a little tribute to Trey, Corley, and the band. But tonight, I think the fact that Trey is still with us is a very good sign. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, we're happy that they still have a band leader. Well, it is the job of us adults to prepare our kids to get out in the world, overcome obstacles, 
and to climb those mountains. My next guests, well, they take that job literally. Their adventures help inspire parents to do the same for their own kids, as well as raise money to help foster kids find forever families. It's time to meet this week's Huck's Heroes. Where does that come from? It takes overcoming certain things. And as parents, we get this opportunity to architect an environment where they can then find it. And I think that's really what I've been after in Sam's life. Today, our story comes from California. As a kindergartner, is three thousand A lot of people don't really understand my philosophy of parenting. There were times where he wanted out, and then he got back on the Jumars and kept going. What have you been your three most favorite parts of this trip so far? You. Me? What else? You. El Capitan. Yup, that would be a big one. Our job as dads is to do precisely this for our boys. It's our job to architect their environment and to help them discover things like courage resilience, endurance, and strength along the way. Please welcome Joe Baker and his seven-year-old son, Sam. Welcome, guys. We're excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Joe, first of all, tell us about your family and these adventures you guys do. So I've been climbing since sixth grade, and I married a beautiful woman uh, rock climbing. And when we started having children, we just began to bring them up into it. And so in our house, it goes crawl, walk, and then rock climb. Wow. Sam, what is your favorite part about rock climbing? When you get to the top, everything's so tight, like my train set, and you get to fly a kite with your dad. That's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> so you got to tell me what it's like sleeping on a portal ledge. Mr. Huckabee, you're going to love it. It's like sleeping in a treehouse way up in the sky. But don't worry, I'm always clipped in. You do. <laughs> Joe, I mean, every parent in America right now is looking at you and saying, is this safe? <laughs> it's a great question. It's as safe as it can be. Uh, seriously. <laughs> that doesn't comfort <laughs> me much. <laughs> He's definitely clipped in every second. And I've taken all the AMJ guiding courses, and we have guides always around him. And... It's, uh, I'm always within about five feet of him, working with him, encouraging him. Sam, do you ever get scared up there doing this? Mm, yeah. Do you? It, it gets really scared for me sometimes when we're way above the clouds, but Dad's always with me. It helps to have him along. If he wasn't there, I bet you'd even really be scared, right? Mm-hmm. You know what? Even if your dad were there... I'd still be scared, okay? <laughs> I just want you to know you're braver than me. Are, are you afraid of anything else? Anything else scares you? Mm-hmm. What? Ants, spiders, and any girls trying to kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll have to worry about that a whole lot more in about 10 years, okay? <laughs> Joe, how do you help other people by this incredible experience of yours climbing these mountains and rocks. Yeah, we, we wanted this adventure to be more than just about Sam. And so 
uh, on a ledge, we were having this conversation about how some kids don't have a mom and dad. And uh, in, out of that conversation, we decided to use all the attention we were getting to bring them to our website and invite them to partner with us, uh, where we're helping uh, kids who are in the foster um, system to find forever families. And it's been a really awesome journey with that. And, and Sam's really, you know, ex- uh, you know, he really cares about it too. Sam, how come you want to raise money to help these foster kids? It Why? makes me sad that they don't have a mom and dad yeah. to rock climb with or to snuggle with. Oh, wow. What a beautiful thing. Well, let me tell you, there's a reason you guys are our Hux heroes. One, you would be our heroes for all that you're doing for foster children. You're also our heroes for the extraordinary uh, example that you show of father and son doing something together that bonds you in a way that most of us can't even begin to understand. Thank you, and we're happy to have you here. Thank you, Mike. And to support the Sam Adventure Fund in their mission to help foster kids and their forever families get together, watch their first absolutely incredible film of Joe and Sam Baker's gravity-defying experiences. You can do it for free. Visit samadventure.com. As well, you might want to find out what we got coming up next. And you don't even have to climb a mountain to do it. So just listen to our intrepid announcer, Keith Bilbrey. Well, after the break, country music star Clint Black talks with Mike on Huckabee. Grateful we are to have Grammy award-winning country music star Clint Black. He is a proud member of the Grand Ole Opry and with us tonight. He burst onto the country music charts back in 1989 with his debut album, Killin' Time. Now, here's something most people don't realize. It reached number one. That is a feat never before accomplished in any music genre by a new artist. Since then, he's only had 22 number one singles, 31 top 10 hits. He is one of the most successful singer-songwriters of the modern era, and he's one of the nicest people in show business. Give a big welcome to Clint Black. Thank you for coming, Clint. Hey, what do you uh, what do you call this gathering here of people all together? What is this? This is called an what audience. Is this strange thing. Something you haven't seen in a year, right? It's so great to see you all. That's uh, <laughs> it's fantastic. You know what I'm excited about? Speaking of audiences, you're going to be seeing a lot of them this year because you and your wife of 30 years, Lisa Hartman Black, are going to be going on a concert tour together. You guys have never done this before? No, she's come out for a few dates here and there and and sung uh, when I said I'd do with me, but uh, nothing like this. I actually talked her into doing something from uh, her Knott's Landing days that that she sang on there. Tried to talk her into doing uh, you know, a little acting, you know, portray a scene or two, maybe the one where Alec Baldwin dies, a fall <laughs> billboard, you know. Uh, uh, I could play the part of Alec, uh, you know. Of course, uh, uh, he said he would kill all the paparazzis if we did that, so we're not going to do it. Um, no, it's uh, it's going to be different. It'll it'll be uh, we've got some surprises in there, and uh, that's going to be fun. We're so excited. Yeah, we'll start in November just before Thanksgiving and go till uh, 
mid-February. How many dates total? Oh, we've been dating for years. No, no, come on, come Clint. On, on your oh, concert I'm sorry. thing, man. I'm sorry. That was cheap, wasn't yeah, it? That was, no, it was actually a pretty good one. It's that the kind good. of thing Thanks. Keith would do to me. <laughs> you're just a lot of fun. Thank but you. But you're going to do a song tonight for us off a brand new album, and it is just one of those great songs that ought to be an anthem. It's about America. And yeah. uh, it's kind of what we need in this country. It's not a political song, it's just an American song. When Steve Warner and I wrote this song, uh, we wanted to make it feel true to everyone we know. And I've got some friends, you know, all the way over here and all the way over here and everywhere in between. Uh, and I thought that uh, the one thing we could all agree on is that we love our country and that we'll keep fighting for her and helping her when she can't see the light and uh, standing beside her even when we don't uh, agree with what's going on. So that's the whole idea is, uh, is that... Uh, that, that love should endure uh, even in the worst of times. It's a great message, a great song, and a great country. And uh, I know the audience is excited about hearing it, so am I. Before uh, we talk about the music and go play, uh, I just want to mention you've also got Clint Black Country or Clint Black Cowboy oh, Coffee. I, you know, You're I, the I, I entrepreneur, did, aren't I, you? I, I did. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I've never, I've never been so e eager to give a shameless plug to something. Uh, I had a lot of uh, free time last year. I don't yeah. know about you, but yeah. uh, I lost my day job last March, and so I started. Uh, I brought you some, a Clint Black nice. Cowboy Coffee. And uh, it's very good, according to me. I recommend it. I've heard, though, yeah. that, I've, you know, Keith said he's tried it. It tastes like mud because it was you ground. Got, you got to add water. No, 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 it, because it's ground. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's uh, ground. No, actually, it's wonderful stuff. It smells fantastic. Well, in a moment, Clint is going to perform for us. But first, Keith Bilbrey, if he can get in all of this between cups of coffee that Clint has provided, he's going to tell you how you can stay in touch with Clint Black. You can watch Talking in Circles with Clint Black Saturdays at 10 Eastern on Circle Network. Now, for more information on the TV show, music, and concert schedules, go to clintblack.com. And now, here to sing America Still in Love with You with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on Bass, here's Clint Black. start, never certain it would last. We nearly came apart, but now that's all in the past. We stood the test of time, and though it doesn't seem that long, we've towed the line for years now, and we're still going strong. You've got to know you're not alone I'm still in love with you in spite of all our ups and downs we've gone our separate ways but we've come back around and even when we fight just a little or a lot when it comes to friends you're the best one that I've I'm still in love with you, America. 
stand beside you when we don't see eye to eye and I'll help to guide you when you can't see the light and if fate again should find you with your back against the wall just let history remind you who'll be answering the call I'm still in love with you With all our ups and downs We've gone our separate ways But we've come back around And even when we fight Just a little love But when it comes to friends You're the best one that 